welcome to UC Today with me, David Dungay. Today I'm joined by Ian Rowan and Rob Lokes, UK Channel Managers of Wildex. Welcome to the show, guys. It's great to have you here. Today we're going to be talking about the importance of channel and what that means and why people should be buying their products and services through channel partners. Uh, but before we get into that conversation, uh, Ian, could you give us a bit of a rundown as to uh, you know who Wildex is and uh, what you do? Okay, so Wildex is officially um, Europe's leading UCAS provider, uh, according to Gartner and their, their latest Magic Quadrant. We're the only inclusion from a European vendor on there, uh, which is really good to see. It shows the strength that we've got in our product and uh, most importantly, our, our partner network. Uh, they are effectively our product. We've been providing our service in the UK since 2017, built up a really good partner community. Um, since our inception in 2003, it's only ever been channel focused. You know, we don't do anything directly. We don't see an advantage of that. And um, that's why one of the things that Gartner recognised in including us on that magic quadrant this year when they uh, made us the leading the leading vendor in, um, in Europe. Thanks, Ian. Um, maybe you could tell me a little bit about your channel partner ecosystem now and uh, how they've adapted over the last sort of 12 to 18 months. It's been a, a pretty crazy time for, for everyone. Um, but, you know, how how's your channel really adapted to that, uh, this period? Well, well, let's be fair, our, our channel and the partners that we work with and every partners, even the ones we don't work with that are in our, in our industry, they're used to evolution and it is evolution, not revolution. If you look at the last 20 years, how things have adapted from TDM to ISDN to SIP, now to mainstream UCAS, it's a constant change. Um, Connectivity is a, a big driver behind that because I, I remember it was dial-up and then it was um, mode, um, DSL services and again it's progressed and progressed and as that that's become more of a um, more available, more widely accepted by everybody that they'll pay a little bit extra for those business grade connections. The services that go on top of that just keep evolving for that and our, and our channel is prime and um, always able to adapt to those those changes in the marketplace and in the technology. It's both. They don't just adapt to the technology. They adapt to how the market is buying as well. And, and we're in a really fortunate position that our partners will continue to take that adoption really well. And I think whatever the next, the next technology that we throw at them, they'll do exactly the same again. We're in such a lucky position and look, such a lucky industry that just keeps evolving uh, and has to keep doing that to be relevant to the, to the market. And let's hope it continues. And, and so do our partners. I want to come to you now, Rob. Um, we've seen a lot of uh, of the mega brands in the UC and tech space over the last two years have absolutely phenomenal growth, uh, some real success stories. And what I want to know is, though, do do customers still value you know buying their technology through a through a channel partner than maybe perhaps you know um, directly through one of these huge brands? Yeah, hundred percent. And firstly, thanks for putting us in that mega brand category as well. Uh, we appreciate that. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, of course, channel, as you mentioned, channels are only route to market. It has been since, since uh, back in 2003. You look at our channel partners, that is one of the main reasons that they have partnered with us. Um, and Gartner obviously recognised that. And that's, one of, again, one of the key reasons that we were added to the magic quadrant in the UCAS space. When we talk about channel i suppose it's relationship you're dealing with a vendor directly and a lot of that's disappeared over time if you look at the big players um, and we all know who they are at one point they did have a, a channel adoption and then they went down the distribution route 
and all that does it that relationship sort of goes away you go into a Neumann's or a West Con of the world to, to buy your products buy your solution and then it, people get they recognize it's easy to, to to buy from those services and consumers and users can benchmark prices against that as well because they're easily accessible on their websites so from a partner perspective selling into that end customer becomes more difficult as well we don't make any price in public so our partners don't get caught up in this race to the bottom they are buying directly from the vendor and yeah uh, the end customers don't have any visibility of pricing at all so direct and indirect uh, routes to market it's been something the channels had to deal with uh, for, it seems like forever and a day. Um, are we still seeing though, Ian? I want to come to you now. Are we, are we still seeing those um, those vendors still taking business away from their channel partners in some instances? You know, today. Unfortunately, yeah, and I think there's been some acquisitions as well where um, some American vendors have acquired some established European players and they've gone and actually attacked that base directly. We've actually won some partners on the back of that. It's such an, an unfair marketplace where the vendor is competing directly against one of their partners or their perceived partners. Where, where does that give the value back to that organization? Where do they trust them to share their customer names for their future, for their, their deals that they've got today and their customers now? If there's the potential that in a couple of years they might go to, go to them directly. There's newer brands that are doing that as well that have actually built into their collaboration systems, their, their desktop apps, a message that comes up saying your services are due for renewal, come to us directly. After you're taking so long to win that customer or introduce them to that customer, we've even seen cases where partners have done all the introduction, all the hard work, and then they go directly to the, the vendor at the end to buy that product. It, it's such an unfair advantage when you're the brand that the customer is buying. So that's what we try to do is we try to make the partners the brand. And the reason for that is if, if you go and buy a solution off, off uh, offline, David, and no disrespect to you, you've been in the industry a long time, you know the products and the services and the people really well. But if you try to deploy a system, you would be limited by your ability to deploy that system. So you could take a good system and make it a bad system, okay, for, and through your ability. Whereas our partners, where they've got all the wraparound services that they sell, like connectivity, maybe a mobile contract's needed, the professional services, and their years upon years of experience, they take our fantastic system and make it the best system in the world. It's only that, though, because of the services they provide with it. If it wasn't for our partners, we would be a mediocre system with everybody else. It's the best product that we've got in our portfolio is our partners. And we could never compete against them. How could, how could we compete against them? Great. Well, as we know, we, you know, we live in a, in a world full of software uh, and increasingly self-service tools. Um, Rob, you know, these, these tools that we're seeing, you know, it, are, are they in danger of uh, diminishing? the role of, of the channel partner in, in any way going forward and how they deliver you know, their services to their customers? Um, potentially. Um, I don't think it's going to diminish the relationship, but I mean, it's giving end customers what they want, really. I mean, if you look, if you go back even as much as sort of four or five years ago, or even three years ago, depending on what product they're using now, they want to change a voicemail, they want to change a name on a phone, and they want to put their call to their mobile. That could have been a, a phone call or an email to their incumbent supplier. I need this change. That change will then be scheduled in and there'll be a price associated to it unless they've got a maintenance package with moves and changes built into it or something like that, which historically a lot of partners tended to do. Now, 
with the platforms available, a lot of them do it. Um, I'd lo- like to say that ours does it the best, obviously. <laughs> Not being biased, but because we keep things simple. Things like routing calls to, to another number and changing your presence, obviously, within our solution, changing a name on a phone because you sync across devices. It's very, very straightforward to do. But then I suppose there's a flip side to that as well um, with that. So if I go back now, we, you're talking about diminished relationships with partners and selling on longer terms, then seven years, five years, end customers don't want that commitment anymore. They want the shorter term. They want the monthly. They want the annual commitments. And what that means is partners are having to be way more proactive with their end customers than they ever were before because they're not in long-term contracts. I'm talking from experience. I could go and sell a solution on a seven-year lease. I know I've got that customer for potentially seven years and I probably wouldn't speak to them again for another four or five years. But where's the value in that? I'm not really going to have that relationship where I can sell in other services. So the flip side, selling on a shorter term as well, allowing them to be more proactive means there's a good chance I'm going to build a better relationship and get more services from them. That that question also sort of loops back onto the last one about experience and what the partners can add, because it's great having some self-service tools for diagnostics, yep. but the diagnostics are only as good as that person's understanding. Our, part, our channel's got hundreds of years of experience. I've seen a new startup the other day. Uh, somebody that's very known in the channel on it. I'll have a quick look on his website. It said over 100 years of experience. There's only about three or four guys in the company. <laughs> if you added up all the partners' experience that we've got in our in our, 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 our whole ecosystem, you'd be talking to hundreds of thousands. And that experience is invaluable to be able to use those diagnostics tools correctly. So there might be self-service that they can do the odd little change and tweak with, but the full self-service and the full um, manage of that product is best performed by the partners that have got that uh, industry experience. Yeah. As I look across the uh, the channel landscape, you know, we're seeing all kinds of different uh, models for channel partners to to use to to uh, to go about their daily business. You know, here in the UK, in the UK, we like to you know own our customers a little bit more. Uh, we like to own those contracts. Um, elsewhere in the world, you know, we're seeing um, you know the agent uh, and dealer model. Uh, particularly become you know more prevalent and successful. Uh, I guess my question to to you, Ian, you know, are, are we going to see that that prevalence of of that sort of agent uh, super agent or dealer model uh, going going forward? Is that going to be the sort of the, the model the channel will adopt ultimately? Well, so I do understand the agent model, um, and obviously we've got an office in the US as well. Uh, and when you speak to the partners over there, they're not as established as the partners here in the UK, so. Their, their billing systems, for example, to call from one state to the next to the next, the taxation rules across that are absolutely bizarre. And you need like a, a degree in mathematics just to be able to work it out. So the agent model suits them very well because they haven't invested in the billing infrastructure. They're maybe not the supplier of the, the connectivity because, again, interstate's all different against where you're buying it from. Whereas our the UK has built a foundation and an industry on us owning the products, the services, the white label products behind that, the self billing, etc. And I don't think we'll move to that agent model. The UK is ready for it. There's been some great successes from the agent model, and I don't know if you're actually aware, but Daisy set up as an agent model. That's why Matt Riley left DTW and set up a, an agency business to start off with and progress from there because he, he wanted more commission. But he moved straight away from that into being a wholesale provider and a, a full on. Um, channel business because he knew that that's not the future in the UK. The UK, we invest in the technology, we invest in the solutions to support that for our our partners and the end users. 
And I can't see the UK ever driving towards that. The vendors would like that because they can give you a little bit of commission. They own the customer forever. We want to own the customers in the UK. We've built our business around that and we'll continue to do that for the foreseeable. We're in a, a world of uh, of value and, and, and driving value. And that is, of course, you know, part of the uh, the beauty of the channel is, is to find that. But uh, over, over the next couple of years or particularly the next five years, um, you know, where's the channel going to be driving that value for their, for their customers going forwards? Uh, Rob? Um, just getting over the last two years, to be honest with you, David, let alone talk <laughs> about the next five. Um, next five years, well, who knows? Technology is moving so quick. Um, obviously, with what's happened the last couple of years, it, it, the industry knows it's propelled our industry no end to years ahead where we thought we were going to be. User adoption is, is changing all the time. Obviously, we're, we're seeing it now um, in terms of more headset sales with devices like laptops and mobile apps and things like that and the way things are moving forward. Um, I can really, in terms of our solution and what we're going to provide to our partners and their end customers over the next five years, you know, we're a fast-moving company. We're developing all the time. We've got really clever guys working for our organisation, over 100 developers now. And I mean, just this year, you've probably seen with our, with our summit, just what we're releasing just this year alone, our new platform XPs, sales orientated platform designed to increase sales for, the, for your business. Um, come in via a web chat, you can engage with the end customer. They can then bring more people into that decision making process um, and keep re-engaging with them as well. So if things go quiet, you can reach out to them. You can turn it into a video conference. Things like that, and initially that platform will integrate with Salesforce, but moving forward, we'll integrate with more and more CRMs as it grows. Other things that we've developed this year as well for our partner network, because we've seen, seen a big demand for it, was um, X-Hoppers, which is our full retail mode. Again, being an agent um, or a shop floor assistant, having a headset, somebody go into a QR code next to, say, a TV um, or a microwave, <laughs> whatever, I don't know why I said microwave. Um, but scan it and then get that agent to come over and assist, or even that call to go to a contact center agent. All these things um, are real innovation and obviously driving our industry forward. And just going back to the XBs as well, we've also got um, AI on the back of that, where it will basically, um, a platform that will fall in line with our call recording, will pull out transcriptions to ensure the agents, the salespeople, the customer care services people are saying the correct things. And providing the utmost um, customer experience, I suppose. So moving forward this year, exciting things. Next five years, um, who knows what next year holds for us. Augmented reality, maybe, who knows. Ian will tell you more about that because he's just invested in a VR headset. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, but just this year alone, big, big announcements for us and uh, yeah, moving forward. I can see the uh, AI being a big thing over the, the next few years. Uh, that immersive conference in rather than, you know, as more and more people are hybrid, being able to be immersed in a conference and, and using that as an experience. I think we'll see that coming along. The use of AI in a, in a live situation. So it'll say, okay, Rob, you've spoken too much. Let, let the customer speak interactively on the screen. That, that's going to be a bit of a game changer. The retail stuff, what I'm most excited about personally is we've got some great stuff we can do in that. And what I really want to get done is my local Tesco Express. If I go in there for a packet of cigarettes and there's a lady in front of me that's doing a, a weekly shop in the Tesco Express and then she buys 20 scratch cards and she's there in front of me and all I want is a pack of cigarettes and I can't use the self-service till. 
when you can start introducing uh, tobacco products or behind-the-counter products and it just announces into the user, you've till won this product, that, that's going to be a game-changer for me personally. So I can't wait to see some of that technology <laughs> coming through and being used in the marketplace. Yeah, absolutely. We're getting towards the end of the conversation now. Um, but before we go, I just want to ask one last question uh, to, to Ian. Um, you know, how is Wildex um, going to be supporting its channel customers over the coming year? You know, what, what can they expect from the Wildex camp? And uh, yeah, what, what's what's coming next? What we, we ensure we always do is we, we don't focus just on our products. As I said before, we focus on our partners a lot. And one of the innovative things that we do, and I don't think there's many other uh, vendors do this in our spaces, we, we don't just invest in our training. I think that's the only training we should provide on our products and our services. We also invent, um, invest in industry standard, highly regarded training. Um, and we use two different organizations, Value Selling Associates. And that's all about identifying the value and the opportunity, um, getting away from the price list, you know, looking at the personal value for the user, because there's always personal value, but people often forget that in the sales process. And going through a very um, really simple but methodical process for the sale. So you're identifying the value and delivering the solution on that value. To ensure you deliver that value then, we also supply our partners with something called Kanban training. Again, we use an external organization to provide that, Kanban University. And it's a project method, uh, product, project, um, project methodology where it allow, allows them to visualize the, the workflow and ensure that there's no blockages in the workflow to ensure that that value that was identified in the first step is delivered. Now, we deliver that training or pay for that training for external organizations to all of our partners. Every year we put on different workshops up and down the country. Uh, we try to take the partners out after the first night, uh, have a good time, build build on that relationship because that relationship is really important to us as well. But investing in that training is a win-win. And it, like I say, it's not a Waldex training. They can use that training against every other product that they sell. But we know that we will get better sales and better customers and the customers will have better uh, use of our solutions because we have invested in that training. And that's just one of the things we'll continue to do over the coming years. I'm afraid that's all we've got time for now. Um, Rob, Ian, thank you so much for joining me. It's always been a, a pleasure to talk to you no both. Problem. Thanks thank for having me. Thank and uh, yeah. thank you for watching. You've been watching me, David Dungate, on UC Today. If you like today's conversation, please give us a like and a share on social media. That's it from me. I'll see you next time. Bye.